Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Six eight seven zero seven zero zero. So, we gonna talk talk about a li- well a little bit about those Republicans and how unfortunate that they can't fulfill a promise. And interviews from the Western Conservative Summit last week, and I guess a little bit more than that. So stick around and stay tuned. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Trend Chat. I'm your host, Brian Bledsoe. And if you want to connect with us on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, it's all the same name, Trend Chat 24-7. And I write for Politichicks. If you want to read some of my articles, just go to politichicks.com slash author slash Brian Bledsoe. And once again, yesterday... We have the Republicans just doing what they do, basically, not fulfilling promises, the, <laughs> the promises that they have made for so many years. And here we are, had a chance to repeal Obamacare, and 
seven Republicans just decided to, eh, you know, I know we've been saying about repeal Obamacare the past seven years, but I don't feel like doing it now. (laughs) So you have Lamar Alexander from Tennessee, Shelly Capito. I don't know if I said it right. I really don't care. Dean Heller from Nevada. John McCain, Lisa Murkowski, Rob Portman, and Susan Collins. That's just not surprising at all. Murkowski either. It's not surprising. But, um, yep. Had the chance to repeal Obamacare and they just decided to, you know, show their true colors basically because when they knew there was no chance of being repealed because Obama was just going to veto the bill and they knew they didn't have enough to get a three, uh, two thirds vote to override a, a veto. They were more than happy to slap their name on to say, well, Hey, we, we want to repeal Obamacare in the past because they knew that nothing was going to happen. But now that they have the opportunity, I feel like a broken record right now. I've said this too many times. They had the opportunity to repeal Obamacare and what they do. Now they have every excuse in the world about why we shouldn't do it now. But, yep, I mentioned those um, seven Republicans. And, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> I'm just thinking about my my guest that I have on today and when I say you know I'm just kind of thinking about the podcast filler words by Beverly Hallberg and so the interview with her would be on and so now I'm always conscious about saying that because I'm just trying to keep from using filler words and I was suggesting I want to check out that podcast because they it's really good as far as helping out your communication skills in doing, uh, I guess, radio or anything. And, yeah, just I kind of have like a, you know, count in my head. I, I think I, I don't think I do. I know a lot of times when I record interviews, I go back and have to edit. And then I have noticed I have to do less editing the the more I do this. So, and it's organizations like District Media Group that has helped me in learning how to, I guess, keep the sentence smooth as opposed to filling it up with a lot of words um, where I'm just like doing that right there. So, I'm just going back. I'm just thinking about that. But to get back on this um the failure of republicans and and this obamacare repeal i actually don't want to go too long on this cuz like i said this is like a broken record and i keep going back to one part in particular in the gop platform and i was there i remember that at least one part especially now when we talk about repealing Obamacare in the GOP platform, there's one sentence, and I don't know if I'm going to say this word for word, so it just basically called this a paraphrase that it it said, 
we agree with the four dissenting judges that this act, the act being Obamacare, is invalid in its entirety. So in the GOP platform, if you have that in in there to say that we as a party see this act, the act of you know Obamacare as invalid in its entirety, then what is going on right now? Basically, you just it just seems like a case of just being deceived. Plain and simple. Kind of not really sugarcoated. You just been going around saying you want to do one thing when in reality you know you don't that you actually agree with the Democrats that you want single payer, basically, or that you want government control of health care. But because you are in the Republican Party, you <laughs> but you're in the Republican Party, but you want government control of health care. So to keep your seat, because most of your constituents are conservative or don't want government control of health care, since you know that and want to keep your seat in power, you decide to just basically lie and go around telling your constituents Hey, I, I want to repeal Obamacare. This thing is horrible. This this is just a monstrosity. It just we can't have this in America. Making all these stump speeches about repealing Obamacare, getting everybody all excited, thinking that Obamacare is going to get re- get repealed when Republicans get the majority in both houses, and yet here we are sitting here. Having these seven Republicans, uh, basically that did that. Um, what I've just explained. Now, well, I, I can't say that for a fact because I don't know about Susan Collins actually, or Lisa Murkowski, and I've I've had my rant about Susan Collins. And I'm not going to go back on it again, but I don't know. Maybe she ran on not wanting to repeal Obamacare. Maybe she did. I don't know. Or maybe she did like the rest of them and just said that we're going to repeal it when probably her constituents know that she's not going to really do it. She's just doing it because she's just trying to go along with the party line or basically go along with the GOP platform. But another thing, when I think about these particular senators and repealing Obamacare, I'm pretty sure all of these, well, I don't know for sure, but I'm just saying I know at least two. I know for sure. But the of these seven senators, I'm pretty, I guess they had primary opponents that were more conservative than they are. And we probably wouldn't be in this position if one of those, if, you know, even half of all of them were replaced in the primary by a, a more conservative candidate. But you know how it is about being an incumbent. And also, as far as having to raise the money when you are a challenger to that incumbent, like John McCain. Now, as far as what's going on with him, as far as being diagnosed with brain cancer, this has nothing to do with as far as being 
uh, challenge in a primary because he's been challenged plenty of times, uh, most recently by Kelly Ward. But all, all the times that he has been challenged, um, I don't know how how much of a um, much of a strain on his, um, I guess, his money, his bank account, his campaign funding, I guess, was affected by any primary opponent. But just, and well, I'm talking about John McCain, and then you also had now Lisa Murkowski. I remember when Joe Miller beat Lisa Murkowski in the, in the primary just to turn around for Mikowski to, to do a write-in campaign as an end I think as an independent if I'm not mistaken but either way she didn't <laughs> she wouldn't let that go she was not about party unity then because when Joe Miller won she said no I'm gonna run as a write-in and well and won so that's it it's, wasn't nothing illegal about that it's just funny. You have the establishments always telling conservatives to fall in line and be all about party unity when they when they beat an, a conservative in the primary. But when it goes the other way around, they all of a sudden want to hem and haw about well that person is too radical or any or they use the word that they inexperienced or whatever slanderous word um, words they can use to basically put fear in in the people to not support that conservative candidate but um i'm i'm just looking right now at the scores on conservative review of these senators and so lamar alexander uh in tennessee has a 17 percent score on conservative review Shelly Capito, like I said, I don't know if I said it right. I don't care. But it's 33% on conservative review. Dean Heller out of Nevada, he had the 61%. So it's, it's okay. That's a D, I guess. Um, and John McCain, 33%. Lisa Mikowski, 22%. Rob Portman, 49%. Most of these are F, uh, except for Dean Heller, that's a 60. And Susan Collins at a 12, which I've stated before. Her score on conservative review and heritage action scorecard, her, uh, her, her scores are lower than the socialist the Democratic Socialist, as you want to call it, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders has a what well, has a larger percentage, has a better percentage in conservative review than Susan Collins, a Republican. That's just a troll. <laughs> that is okay. Anyway, <clears throat> so where we go from here, I, I really don't know. <laughs> have no idea where we're going from here but it seems like we're basically stuck with it and we have Republicans to thank for that so thank you Republicans for keeping Obamacare alive and well 
And as it continues to fail and <laughs> Republicans lose the majority because of their failure, and then Democrats will be in the the majority and they will push towards single payer because Obamacare is failing and they will say, well, we just need more government control. And that's where we get the single payer, where I'm pretty sure probably these some of these Republicans will be more than happy just to, to have this continue on and have no problem with single payer. They wouldn't say that on a stump speech. They wouldn't say that when they're out there trying to get your vote in their, in their states. But they're showing that in their votes in the past six months since um, this uh, session has started. All right. Enough of that depressing news. <laughs> We're going to get to the interviews from the Western Conservative Summit. But first, here's a word from the Founding Project. Hello, Trend Chat listeners. If you like the Founding Project's civics education video series, Civics for All Ages, and our educational meme series, we think you will love our new website. Join us at thefoundingproject.com and be a part of the civics movement. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Please join us today. Yep, and we we're gonna start off with Danielle Butcher and Josh DeFord from American Conservation Co- Coalition. Now I kind of started saying it. Now I even said it completely wrong when I did the interview last week, which you will hear in a couple of seconds. But Danielle is a returning guest to Trend Chat. And I know the interviews I had at CPAC, which I mentioned to her in this interview, that the interview, well, the interview with her and Alexa and a couple and a couple others from CPAC, that was it's still one of the most downloaded episodes for Trend Chat, which is pretty cool. Uh, well, I guess we'll see where this one goes now that Danielle's on this one. So, that being said, here is our interview with Danielle and Josh. Hello, this is Trent Chat. We're here at the Western Conservative Summit, and we're here with Danielle Butcher and Josh DeFord, the leadership team with the American Conservative Coalition. How y'all doing? Good, thank you. Very well. Thanks for having us. So, I guess just tell me everything about, I guess y'all was the ACC? <laughs> yes, the ACC, or American Conserv- Conservation Coalition, excuse me. Um, We are a pro-environmentalism group, uh, but we are kind of taking a different approach than other groups do, and we are providing free market solutions to environmental issues that we face. We really think that conservatives should be a part of this dialogue. You know, we think liberals have kind of hijacked the environmentalist um, conversation, and we want to bring conservatives into the discussion. Okay, so in saying that, I was just thinking about as far as whether climate change or carbon footprint and all that. So what's the differences that y'all are looking to, I guess, get into that, that differ mm-hmm. from the left? I think what you touched on is actually exactly what we want to talk about is because when the left talks about environmental issues, they always want to talk about climate change and they always want to talk about you know carbon and that kind of thing. But there are so many other issues that fall under the umbrella of environmentalism, like preserving our national parks or you know just 
uh, hunting and fishing rights, that kind of thing. And so there are a lot of issues that people are ignoring because they all get lumped into climate change, and not everybody wants to focus on climate change. Okay. Um, just looking at the brochure, and so it's kind of in, I guess, engaging with uh, millennial conservatives. So um, how are y'all like going to different campuses, uh, looking to, to do stuff like that? Yep. So we are set to launch next week. We're going to be building chapters on campuses, and we're going to really encourage those chapters to get involved with their local uh, politics and their local campaigns and that kind of stuff, um, just because we believe that that's the best place to affect real change. Okay, and one thing I'm also seeing that it is free market and limited government. And talking about uh, conservation, because in the beginning I said conservative, so I should have said conservation. So mm-hmm. uh, I guess some um, ideas as far as free market when it comes to dealing with environment. Uh, I think a great example of this is in the energy sector. So you have uh, renewable energy and you have fossil fuel. And a lot of people are very hesitant to try out renewable energies because there's this stigma that they're very heavily subsidized or they're not efficient. Um, And that's simply not true. And when you compare the oil industry to, say, the solar industry, the subsidies for the oil industry are actually uh, much higher. So that would be an example of getting the free market involved and letting um, that just kind of take over and see which energy, you know, kind of prevails. So, yeah, I mean, as conservatives, you know, all of the policies, whether they're environmental, environmentalist or not, um, you know, they're free market based. So there's really no point that there hasn't really been that many groups to address these issues from that standpoint. And uh, so I think it's really a discussion we want to bring. Okay, and so you're saying you're launching wins like pretty soon? Yes, next week, Wednesday, yeah, I next believe. Wednesday. Okay, and after that, what all y'all have planned as far as? with your launch and everything (laughs) we have a lot planned but i would say our first step is to start establishing chapters on campuses and um a great way to find out a little bit about it is our website acc.eco we have information about the uh, campus program on there you can also follow us on twitter acc underscore national and uh you know we're going to be trying to reach millennials and young people um you know through these social uh social media through our website really break down these basic issues that a lot of them don't even realize are issues or they haven't thought about it in a way that we can present it. I think that's that's a really important um, factor that we bring in. So, Okay, well, I was going to ask you about all that. And um, one last thing I wanted to thank Danielle because she is, a, a, I guess, a repeat um, <laughs> <laughs> on Trend Chat. And she actually, her and Alexa, along with a couple others, it has... Um, it's the, I guess, most downloaded show <laughs> on Trend Chat, so I uh, thank you for that. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yep, man. Thanks to Danielle and Josh for joining us. And so if you didn't notice what they said that they launched on Wednesday, this is Wednesday, a special episode of Trend Chat. And so they launched today. <laughs> so I would say definitely try to... Check them out at American Conservation Coalition. And, yeah, you know, one thing I I really am just, I'm happy to see friends of mine just getting involved and as far as seeing them grow and doing up, you know, bigger and better things all the time. It's just, I'm always, when I see them doing something and, Getting other new opportunities, better opportunities. I'm just like always clapping and applauding them. Just go, you know, 
do whatever whatever it is so and yeah so whether it's Danielle or many other friends that we've talked to here on Trench Hat I just want to say I'm just really proud to see them doing doing work and putting up you know fighting a good fight so our next interview is with Derek Wilburn with Rocky Mount Black Conservatives and we talked to him for a few minutes about the the group and about blackandconservative.com and here's an interview with Derek. Hello this is Trent Jett. We're here at the Western Conservative Summit and we're here with the founder and chairman of the Rocky Mountain Black Conservatives Derek Wilburn. How are you doing? I am awesome man. Having a great weekend. So um, given the name Rocky Mountain so I'm guessing it's in the Colorado area, right? Yeah, we were founded literally in my backyard, which is in Colorado Springs. Uh, and we're headquartered in Colorado Springs in Denver. Okay, and what, um, I guess, uh, general information on the whole organization? The mission is pretty simple. Uh, we are trying to bridge the gap that historically has existed between ethnic minorities and conservative political causes, parties, and individuals. So everyone knows that black Americans vote overwhelmingly for Democrats, for liberals. Uh, and that's not healthy. Not healthy for black Americans, and it's not healthy for America in general. So we have to begin doing a better job of communicating on both sides of that street. So we are out educating and trying to work within the community, as well as within conservative circles, to bridge that divide. Okay. Do you all do like uh, workshops or events, I guess, in the Colorado area or even further? All the above. We have done workshops, events, and held rallies and done speeches or whatever you want to call it in, uh, I think, about nine or ten states now, as well as we've begun an internship program where we're taking inner-city black kids to send them to to intern in Washington, D.C. with Republicans so they can see with their own eyes and hear with their own ears the truth about what Republicans truly believe. In fact, our first class of interns just came home yesterday. Okay. And... Actually, I want you to reiterate what you said on stage when you introduced um, uh, Bill Bennett, because um, it was something that, when I heard your first, your first words, I just want you to tell my listeners what you said up there. I said, conservatives are not racists. It's just not true. It is one of the most often repeated, yet wholly false claims I've ever heard in my entire life. I've spoken all around the country. I've been to conservative events, rallies, uh, Republican committee meetings. I mean, you name I've been to all. I've never experienced racism once. Yet I experience attacks based on skin color every day from people on the left. Yeah, so, yeah, it was just something because when I heard you up there and when you said that, I'm like, it's actually unfortunate that that has to be said, but but it's true. But, you know, just something that you have to keep saying because you have the left always want to pound that point. And unfortunately, you know, people tend to want to go with that. So, unfortunately. It is very unfortunate. But, you know, when your agenda is failing, and by any standard of measure, the liberal agenda is failing black America, you've got to resort to something to get people to stay with you so calling them racists therefore you can't vote for them is what they go with uh, any n- black neighborhood in this country there are no exceptions they've all been dominated by liberal democrats for decades for my entire life for 40 50 years inner city chicago philadelphia new york it doesn't matter they're all the same and if you look at them all they're economically depressed the, the education system is substandard, the dropout rates are high, the tra- drug trafficking rates are high, violent crime statistics are higher, the national average, across the board. 
And there are no Republicans to blame because Republicans don't run those neighborhoods. So since they can't point to their record, they instead point to they're a bunch of racists. So actually, I guess, kind of give me uh, your life story as far as your journey in, I guess, being conservative. So, I mean, some grew up conservative, some just you know, kind of grew into it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I grew into it. I, I wasn't born in a politically active house. I mean, my mom and dad voted, but we didn't talk about politics. They didn't go to rallies like we're at here today or stuff like that. So I grew up a Democrat just because I was black and everybody else was too. Um, but then in my case, I had an awakening in the 1990s. Um, because I met my wife who led me to the Lord, and now I'm Christian. I, 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 my faith is very important to me. And I reached the point in my thinking as an adult where I realized what I profess to believe on Sunday and what I vote for on Tuesday aren't in agreement. So something has to change here. God wasn't going to change, so I decided that I have to be the one to change, and that began my journey to conservatism. Wow, our stories are very very similar uh, just, well, just, uh, just minus the, the years minus 2007 but basically everything you just said was kind of true for me as far as what happened in, back then yeah but just hearing that it's just like oh wow that's mm-hmm. the same story here so, now what all that you have going on as far as I think you are I think you also run at blackandconservative.com as well? Blackandconservative.com. Our, our main website is RM, as in Rocky Mountain, rmblackconservatives.com. Of course, we're active on social media, uh, Facebook, about 100,000 followers, uh, Twitter, all that stuff. And, of course, we communicate through those venues, too, because that's how the younger generations talk. I actually like the Facebook page. I've been on there for a couple of years now. So, so um, Derek Wilburn, I uh, appreciate your time. Thank you. My pleasure. I hope your listeners and your viewers and your readers all visit our Facebook and our website and toss us a like. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. And thanks to Derek for his time. And here's another word from the Founder Project. Hello to fans of Trend Chat and Brian Bledsoe. The Founding Project, an education nonprofit dedicated to civics, invites you to visit our brand new website, Visit us at thefoundingproject.com. Be a part of the civics movement with The Founding Project. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Please join us today. And next up, we have Mark Levin. Not okay, I said that. Don't think I'm talking, I'm not talking about, you know, the Mark Levin. People want to think that, but I'm talking about, but nevertheless, I do like this interview with Mark Levin with about, he's the director at Right on Crime and with this issue about civil asset uh, forfeiture is a, something that kind of been on my mind and especially with the attorney general kind of strengthening that, um, policy which if you don't know I'm definitely I don't understand how this could how people can't see that this is kind of this is unconstitutional as far as just being able to take someone's property without being you know without a trial or without being you know deemed guilty you just taking the their property you, and I can't see how that is not unconstitutional, how people can't see see that. It's possible, well, I guess because people 
looking at it on one side, but not seeing how it affects other people as well. Because one argument, which I mentioned in the interview, is that people say that this um, will this will hinders or stop the drug cartels as far as when they seize their property as far as the money and the cars or whatever that they have, their assets. But by doing that, you also hurt a lot of other people, which those are not reported nearly as much because you know they're not drug cartels. <laughs> they're not big-time drug dealers. But a lot of other people are hurt a lot more by having um, this policy still going on. So anyway, so we talked with Mark about that, and here's our interview with with him. Hello, this is Trent Chat, and we're here at the Western Conservative Summit, and we are here with the director of Right on Crime, Mark Levin. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for uh, the chance to talk with you. So um, just tell us all about Right on Crime. It sounds like it's talking about the right on crime. <laughs> yes, well, right both in terms of being correct and conservative uh, when it comes to criminal justice. And so we started back in Texas at the Texas Public Policy Foundation in 2005 working on criminal justice reform and looking at how could we reduce crime while also reducing the number of people in prison um, and get a lot of positive benefits in terms of keeping families together, getting people into the workforce. And so we achieved a lot of success, especially in 2007 in Texas when the state uh, decided to, instead of building 17,000 prison beds to instead expand drug courts and other alternatives to incarceration for nonviolent offenders. And so we've now in Texas, our crime rate's the lowest it's been since 1967. But after we were focused on Texas for several years, because of that success, we got a lot of inquiries from conservative lawmakers in other states, uh, from our fellow uh, conservative think tanks in other states. So we launched Right on Crime, which is our national initiative. Uh, we have a statement of principles signed by people like Newt Gingrich, uh, former drug czar Bill Bennett, J.C. Watts, Grover Norquist, the list goes on, but basically setting forth how conservatives should look at criminal justice, really about holding uh, both offenders and the government and the criminal justice system accountable for results and kind of moving from a system that grows when it fails to one that rewards results. Okay, and one thing that I've noticed when I saw your booth, and I guess the thing that was on, that's been on my mind is the whole subject of civil asset forfeiture, and I just want to get your thoughts on it. Sure. Well, so everyone understands this is basically where the government can take your property, even if you're never charged or convicted with a crime. Um, so it really is a violation of our constitution, and uh, we've been uh, pushing to get rid of civil asset forfeiture, and over the last few years, some 13 states have abolished it. Um, and so what that means is the government could still seize your property, but the title of it doesn't transfer to the government until and if you're convicted. Um, so therefore, of course, if you're exonerated or never charged, you would automatically get that property back. So, But with civil asset forfeiture, the burden is on the individual or the business to file a civil lawsuit, even if they're never charged or convicted, to get their property back. The individual or the business has to prove that the property was unconnected to criminal activity, which 
normally, as everyone should know, the burden of proof should be on the government. I mean, the whole idea that this is a civil proceeding is a fiction. It really is a criminal proceeding, and the burden should be on the government to prove that the property was the proceeds of criminal activity. So, um, uh, unfortunately, there was this announcement a few days ago by the uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, which uh, many conservative leaders from Mike Lee, uh, U.S. Senator, the National Review, have criticized, I think correctly, uh, that decision, because what it does is it allows local law enforcement uh, and state uh, you know, law enforcement agencies to partner with the federal government and thereby circumvent the not only the 13 states that have outlawed civil asset forfeiture, but also in other states they've enacted due process protections where you would get a lawyer, uh, for example, or where they would have to prove by clear and convincing evidence that it was involved in criminal activity. So again, all of those protections, and again in the 13 states that have outlawed civil asset forfeiture, that all goes by the wayside when um, through the Attorney General's order, a local law enforcement agency partners with the federal government is called adoptive uh, uh, civil asset forfeiture. Um, and so it's a real, um, not only does it undermine property rights, but it's also a real um, attack on federalism because the state laws and state due process protections are being trumped by this federal usurpation. Okay, and um, what would you say to the Attorney General's his argument as far as saying that this is needed because you need to take away the, I guess, the money from the crime cartels and whatnot? Well, and that's why I made the point that no one's saying you can't seize uh, property. The issue is forfeiture, so um, they can immediately, uh, if they're going after a drug cartel or something, they can take their cars, their bank accounts, and all that. Now the but. There's no need to have the title passed to the government until there's a conviction. Um, so they can freeze it all in terms of bank accounts and everything. So um, there's really not a need for civil asset forfeiture. And um, so um, uh, I think that uh, that's just not right. And so disagreement as conservatives with what the Attorney General is doing, um, I guess what what can we do as far as trying to gets persuaded to turn this around. Well, really, and it's, this is true on sentencing as well, the ball is in the court of Congress, that Congress, there's many uh, asset forfeiture reform bills pending in Congress. Um, there's one by Congressman Wahlberg, Rand Paul, the list goes on. So, and the same is true when it comes to sentencing, mandatory minimums for drug uh, crimes and so forth, that Congress has a number of bills that are pending that would address the issue. So, the Attorney General General, really, because current law allows for all these things, it's not like Attorney General Sessions is, you know, going beyond the law. He is uh, taking advantage of what the current law allows. So what we're doing is really uh, trying to get Congress to move forward on criminal justice reform. The great thing is more than 30 states have enacted major criminal justice reforms, and crime's actually gone down further in those states that have reduced incarceration. Um, So the states are proving that for example, when it comes to people who have a drug addiction or a mental health issue, there are better solutions. Drug courts, uh, for example, veterans courts, we're rehabilitating people at a fraction of the cost of putting them behind bars, which actually makes many people worse uh, when they come out. Okay. Where can everyone connect with you on social media? Well, rightoncrime.com, and we also are partners with Prison Fellowship, so prisonfellowship.org. They do great work as far as um, faith-based programs for people uh, who are reentering society and mentorship and all of that. It's all very important, but um, uh, definitely folks should come to rightoncrime.com, sign up for our email list, and keep in touch with what we're doing. All right, thanks so much for your time. Well, thank you. Yep, and like I said in the beginning, 
talking before the interview, this definitely is an issue that, unfortunately, that affects more people than it tends to. Well, it affects more people, even though there may be a a, a good case as far as why this should continue. But I, I feel like it's just way too broad in this sense. Um, if uh, if there was actually if if there was kind of like a if it was kind of I guess brought down to to be a little more uh, specific I guess put it that way but I guess from we'll have to see from that, um, from what goes on with the Attorney General and what goes on with those bills uh, as far as what was what's been going on with the Obamacare and trying to get that repealed, I'm not too confident in the Congress and doing anything about this, unfortunately. So the next and last, best for last, is Beverly Hallberg, and I mentioned her in the beginning of this episode because her group, District Media Group, they kind of do a lot of media training and, and other things as well but it's just the media training is thing that I remember it's, and they do a great job in coaching people to be more clear in their communication which I, I'm definitely am <laughs> learning a lot and they definitely are helpful in trying to get to know what to kind of keep the thought flow moving or whatnot. So, as you could tell, maybe it's not doing as well for me when you're hearing me. But let me tell you, if you didn't have Beverly Hallberg and the District Media Group, I wouldn't do this podcast at all because it, it would just be utter garbage. Because I really couldn't couldn't even be myself. And that's one thing that they, um, well, that she talked about in her lecture where I interviewed her afterwards about being like doing a media interview and seeing yourself and being just being you. So the example she was using is that if they, if you did a media interview and, and recorded it and had your friends and family watch it, would they recognize the person on the screen? If not, then you're doing it wrong. You need to be you. And I did media training about, uh, oh, well, let's get to the interview. Hello, this is Trent Chat, and we're here at the Western Conservative Summit, and we are here with the president of District Media Group, <laughs> Beverly Harbor. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Now, I want to first say I'm a little bit nervous doing communication with you because your podcast is called Filler Words, and hearing your podcast and knowing what you're talking about as far as trying not to say um, mm, like. Now, I'm a little bit nervous in saying this because I know you're hearing me right now. <laughs> well, think about this. So I train people how to do media interviews. So it's sometimes a little bit nerve-wracking if I don't do it well because then I'm not modeling what I preach. So you could say we're in, you're in good company because I'm always trying to make sure I don't mess up either. Okay. Yeah, so I'm just... <laughs> I was wondering when I was watching your presentation and you used 
the word filler words on there and i was like oh i don't see anything about the podcast so tell, tell us about the podcast so filler words is a podcast i'm doing with michael pratt we do it in washington dc our motto is it's the best podcast like um ever you know <laughs> so what we do is he he works in digital media i work in broadcast media we've known each other for years we have a love of communication we're both conservative and so what we do is we'll take issues of the day obviously a lot that are political but we also focus on sports interviews we'll focus on trends in digital media and try to inform the audience on here's an example of what you shouldn't do here's something that went really well so that people have a place to turn to just on overall communication strategy okay and there was one thing that you mentioned that i am pretty much interested in wanting to hear how do you educate people on policy without sounding condescending because that's something for me that i definitely need to know myself well, one of the things that we covered in, in our lecture today, which I think hits hits home on that, is it's really about connecting to what people care about first. So we could get into a ton of detail on a wide variety of policy issues, but if people don't think that you care about them and what they're going through, none of it matters, right? So part of it in, in chatting with people, it's listening about what do they care about, what do they currently face with their healthcare situation or with their taxes or with their job, and connect to how your policy actually would benefit them. And maybe give a specific example on how that looks like. So we tend to just focus on the minutiae and the nitty-gritty of every policy issue. But what we really need to do is, who am I t- talking to? How does it apply to them? And let me show you why I, the, the principles that I believe in will benefit you if we see them enacted. Okay. And maybe three years ago, I did a bit of a media training with District Media Group. And I found out how I definitely lacked in... As far as being myself on camera and now with your podcast and everything else, it definitely has helped me in many ways, With whether it's on email or just on social media. Just I just want to say that also that y'all have been a great help as far as my communication. It might not sound so well right now, but thank you. <laughs> well, that means a lot. So I have a great team, and we all love communication, and we want people to communicate well. So it means a lot to even hear you say that it's been beneficial to you. And even Filler Words Podcast, which is a new newer thing. I've had, I think, five, four or five episodes, and we're going to be gearing back up again in September. So it's just really encouraging to hear that it's been beneficial. Yeah, so um, what all else are you? Now, see, I just said, um, I just noticed that book. <laughs> well, you can get the Filler Word app, which we talked about in the presentation today. But for listeners out there, you can spell it U-M-M-O. It's a Filler Word app. Our next podcast, we're going to be monitoring the filler words of Michael Pratt and myself. I will say I tend to do a little bit better than he does. He doesn't mind if I say so. But we're, we're both always trying to work on it. And, yeah, we don't know exactly what we're going to start covering in September because it depends on what's going on in the news. So we always try to remain current, use current examples in order to illustrate the communication te- techniques. But I'm really excited. We have a lot of guests that we're going to be interviewing. So bringing experts on to talk about how they work in social media or pitching people. So we, we have somebody coming up who we're going to interview talking about how do you write a good op-ed and how do you pitch yourself to do media interviews. So we're going to be bringing experts on in the fall. So we're excited about that. Okay, and I guess the last question is, are you still on cloud nine about your Warriors? Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. 
Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today. 833-687-0700. 833-687-0700. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens. But you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today. 833-687-0700. 833-687-0700.